Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Houston Healing Podcast. It's Dr. Janae. And Dr. Pam. Here with another mental health conversation. Dr. Pam, how are you doing today? Uh, I feel like I'm just okay. Just like not good, not bad. Just in the middle. Just regular. In the middle. Floating, mm-hmm. coasting. Coasting. I like that. I'm coasting. Okay. How are you doing? The same, more or less. Just coasting. It's, it's an okay mm-hmm. day. So we're going to coast through. Yeah. I feel like coasting should get, be getting uh, just a little bit more light because sometimes it's okay just to be okay. Yeah. Right? It's okay to just be okay. And it's also okay to not be okay. We don't have to be doing great and exceptional exactly. all the time. Exactly. Exactly. So we're right in that middle right now. Could be good. Mm-hmm. Could be better. Could be worse. But I'm going to take today as, as what it is. Mm-hmm. What we want to talk to you all about today is something that I would argue is extremely pervasive in our community. However, it's not talked about enough. I would argue that it's really not talked about at all. Um, And so many of us experience it and don't necessarily have a name to it. So today I want to spend some time going over what colloquially or what we just call high functioning depression. And we'll identify Mm -hmm. what it is, what it means, why we as Black folks may experience it at higher rates than other folks, and then most importantly, what to do about it. Um, Because this episode does have a lot of therapist language and diagnostic terms and symptoms and signs, it's really important that I just make it really clear. And, you know, we joke a lot and we let you know all the time that we're your homegirls and not your therapists. But for topics such as this, it's really important that we have a disclaimer to let you know that this conversation or nothing that Dr. Pam and I say um, is providing therapy. It's not a substitute for therapy. And that this conversation, listening to this podcast, does not constitute mental health treatment, and it does not set up a client-therapist relationship. So just had to get that disclaimer out there. We're just going to have dialogue with you and hopefully give you some tools and some things that you can take to the professionals in your life to address this problem if this is something that you experience. So let's jump in. High-functioning depression. What is it? Um, Sounds counterintuitive sometimes, right? Right. High-functioning depression is, you know, we typically have this visual of depression. So Mm -hmm. I want you to stop for a second and think about when you hear the word depression or you think of a person who is depressed, what immediately comes to your mind? For me, it's those commercials that we see, right, where my sis is down bad. She's staring out the window. It's cloudy. Outside, it's raining down the window. She's just staring at the outside world, just longing to be free, you know, just just completely sad and just going through it. Right. That's typically what folks identify depression. I'm in the room with the curtains drawn. It's dark. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to eat. I want to be left alone. I don't go to social events. Like you said, there's a lot of crime involved. Yeah, not taking care of oneself. We also think of like Mm -hmm. poor hygiene or a lack of hygiene or, um, buy into one's appearance, like all of those Mm -hmm. are textbook traditional signs of depression. And that's very much a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why high functioning depression is something that, like you said, sounds counterintuitive where people are like, what does that mean? And so many folks are struggling with depressive symptoms, yet they're extremely functional. And so Mm -hmm. you often don't recognize it until you crash and burn metaphorically, right? Mm -hmm. So to use some therapeutic language, high functioning depression is also known as persistent depressive disorder or dysthymia. And all that means is that you are carrying depressive symptoms at a level that can meet diagnostic criteria for an extended period of time. So it's not just 
I have bad news happen. This is a sad period of my life or it's seasonal, you know, seasonal affective disorder. It is most of my days for months and months or and to meet the criteria for dysthymia it needs to be two years or more. So my last mm-hmm. two years have been primarily depressive, right? And so if somebody was in their room isolating, not navigating life with others for two years, let alone two weeks or two months, it would alert people. We would all of be course. recognizing, hey, something is off with so-and-so. You yourself would recognize something was off. Mm-hmm. But when you are getting up, going to work, maintaining social relationships, romantic relationships, navigating life with family and having joy in your life. You know, mm-hmm. it's harder to recognize that you could be struggling with high functioning depression. And as a therapist who has a practice, Dr. Pam, mm-hmm. can you explain how common it is for folks to be living with high functioning depression? It is extremely common. I feel like once we start kind of like giving people an example of what it looks like, they'll be better able to kind of see it. So I have mm-hmm. a lot of clients who will say, you know, um, everything in my life is going good. You know, like I work a pretty good job. I like what I'm doing. My my income is valid. You know what I mean? My My income is at a good state i'm able to do what i need to do take care of my bills i you know i go out i hang out with my friends i i have a partner i have all the things that i want but you know i just something feels off like okay what is what is that what's the something that feels off well i find myself on certain days there's just certain times i just can't do it and Mm -hmm. i either call in sick to work and don't leave the bed all day and don't eat and don't talk to nobody and put my phone on do not disturb it's not because I can't go out or I can't do these things but I just don't have the motivation right yeah Mm -hmm. I cancel plans last minute because although I was in the mood to go when I made the plans right now it's just I don't really want to be bothered right that's a Mm -hmm. big one I don't really want to be bothered um I find myself in moments where just everything's getting on my nerves. Nobody actually did nothing to me, but everything's getting on my nerves and I'm keeping to myself more than usual. Or at night, I'm just not sleeping. Like Mm -hmm. I'm tired. I'm going to work. I'm doing all the things. And, you know, I can't miss work. I got to go to work. So I go to work, but I'm tired the whole day. It's hard to focus. I I can't really stay on task. And it's like, oh, okay. How often is this happening? Damn near every day, Dr. Pam. Oh, this is my normal. This is who I am. I'm just, you know, it's, but it's like, I just shake it off. Ah, can we just shake it off? Right. No. Right. It's not a real thing. And the biggest problem I think with high functioning depression is because a lot of what you're saying clients come to you and discuss it with you or discuss with me or discuss with any therapist or even just their close circle, high functioning depression in a lot of ways mirrors burnout. So of course mm-hmm. you're going to be burnt out. Of course you're going to mm-hmm. be, you know, y'all talk about self-care. Y'all talk about saying no. Y'all talk about setting boundaries. So I'm doing that. Now you're telling me that I could possibly meet criteria for high functioning depression, you know, make it make sense. Right. And mm-hmm. so the, the issue becomes the fact that your burnout is being a part of who you are. You feel burnt out, overwhelmed and burdened mm-hmm. more days than not. And yet and still you're getting up and you're performing because you have to, because you want to, because that's all you know how to do. Because if you don't, Mm -hmm. then who will? Regardless of the reasons, 
your body is in this state where what you're feeling and what you're doing are in complete contrast of one another. So mm-hmm. yes, you're going to feel burnt out, right? And you mm-hmm. mentioned some of the critical symptoms. So if you're listening like, man, I sound like the people Dr. Pam is saying come into her office or when I identify some of the symptoms that present, if you're like, that sounds like me, again, this is a great thing to go get assessed and see because mm-hmm. so many of us are living with this and we'll talk about why, but we'll also focus on what to do um, personally, interpersonally and professionally. But like you said, there and a lot of times the symptoms are a lot harder to diagnose as well because they're the polar opposites. People typically experience one or the other. So, for example, exactly. if you are possibly meeting criteria for dysthymia or persistent depressive disorder or high functioning depression, whichever one of the names you want to give it, but they're all under the same umbrella, you have decreased appetite or you're overeating. Mm. Or like you said, Dr. Pam, I'm not getting any sleep because my mind is wandering all over the place or now I'm oversleeping. So your appetite and your sleep patterns are off. They're not in the normal range. You're doing too much or not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's this notion of the personalization. There's so much going on that you're looking inward, right? So now your self-esteem is diminished. You're feeling guilty. You're feeling bad about yourself and you're the fact that you can't do all of these things that you have to say more, no more. You want to hang out, but you don't have the energy. So you're taking care of yourself, but you're reflecting that and digesting that as an issue that you're perpetuating or you're causing. So now you have some self-esteem issues. And with the self-esteem issues is that, um, especially when I mentioned that whole trope of I made the plans, but now I have to cancel Mm -hmm. at the last minute or I forgot I got to hide in my house and call out. It's just this kind of fear of if other people find out that I just don't want to do it, that's a problem. Like, Mm -hmm. and that fear of like people knowing that you're just not into it anymore Mm -hmm. or being Mm -hmm. sad or something. Cause if you notice a lot of the language that I was using had said nothing about being sad or being yeah. depressed or down because they can't really mm-hmm. target it as that. It's just, oh, I feel something. I don't know what it yeah. is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it and it can come with feelings of sad or hopelessness like you were just mentioning, but sometimes it can not have that. And mm-hmm. a lot of times what I have found that people that present with high-functioning depression, the emotion they feel above possibly sad or hopelessness is this emptiness. Like you said, something's mm. off something's missing. I don't feel right. I don't know what it is because again, when Mm -hmm. I look at myself or when others look at me, there is this image that goes completely against on the couch in the dark, under the covers, sad, crying. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's something that I can tell that it's, there's a discord taking place. So there is this confusion, but a lot of times it's emptiness because you can't put a name or a face to it, or you can't be like, oh, it looks just like so-and-so who I know suffered from this particular issue. Um, and then there's a focus and concentration component of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a hard time making decisions. Like you said, or you make a decision, but then you have to, you know, retract Pull it because you're like, oh, wait, yeah, that sounded good, but I'm now realizing that it wasn't the best decision for me. So I think that one of the things that makes high functioning depression look a lot different than traditional textbook or depression that's perpetuated in the media is there is this conflict that's continuing to recur. And one of the things I think that is a big proponent of it is because we know as professionals and some of our audience members may know that generalized anxiety 
is very comorbid with depression. So folks who Uh experience anxiety more days than not often Uh have a depression diagnosis as well. And Uh if you think about that, it makes a lot of sense. So if you're going through life and you're keyed up and you're on edge and you're pushing yourself past your limit and you're going beyond your capacity and you're always performing and you're always doing and problem solving and you're doing all of these things that elevate your state of being, elevate your mood, at some point, it's going to fall flat. At some point, you're going to crash out, right? Very true. So high-functioning depression looks a lot like that. I go to work. I take care of my kids. Uh-huh. I go and hang out with my friends. I have a partner. I plan parties. I do this. I do that. I do this. But you're living with depression. So at some point, when you have that crash and burn, it's you feel it. Uh-huh. And that's when, when we're you- calling in sick. We don't know why. We just don't feel good or we're exhausted, Mm -hmm. or we didn't shut off from the world for two, three days and nobody knows what's going on and we disappear and go in kind of like Mm -hmm. almost that that mode of that quintessential uh, depression where it's just like, lock everybody out. I don't want to see anybody. I can't do Mm -hmm. it. I just can't, right? But it's so short. You only allow yourself this little window because- Okay, I can't, I don't, I don't have no time on the books. I can't take off of work. I can't call in sick, but I don't have no plans this weekend. I'm gonna keep it like that. I'm not answering my phone and I'm not even leaving the house for two days. Yeah. What you mean you're not leaving the house for two days? Did you eat? Mm-hmm. Did you shower? Did you walk around your house? No, I didn't even leave the bed. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So again, you so, thinking, oh, it's just burnout. I had a long week at work. It's like, nah, these last few years been long. Pooping. I was mm-hmm. recouping, right? But then when you find yourself that anytime you have an opportunity where there's no one making plans or you don't have to be somewhere and your result is I'ma just lay in this bed and be by myself, whether it's staring at a wall, not really thinking about anything, either oversleeping or just eating, 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 or not eating at all. Cause we're choosing, cause nothing is nothing is of ultimate importance that is going to take our time and we don't feel obligated to do something. And in that free time, instead of functioning in our regular day, that is when we allow ourselves to feel the feelings of depression and allow ourselves to really let those symptoms come to the to the top, right? Yeah, definitely. And one of the reasons why I believe that it is both so pervasive to Black people and while it's why it's also so hard for us as Black folks to identify high-functioning depression all stems from this notion of Blackness. We've talked about this before, about uh-huh. this notion of being strong, this notion of showing up. You know, we have been socialized to not be vulnerable, to not talk about weakness, to not need help or to not know how to ask for help. So we're put in these positions where we are breaking through doors and we're the first ones and we're trying to establish the generational wealth and climb up these Mm -hmm. ladders and And break all these generational curses. Child, that's a constant fight. Every day, right? So you're Mm -hmm. doing all of these things often without little guidance um, Mm -hmm. from above. You don't have anyone above to be like, hey, I got you. I can help you. Let me show you the ropes. But also Mm -hmm. many of us are the point people in our circle. So you're figuring out for yourself for your family that's trying to also work their way out of these Uh issues for your children. So you're doing all of these things, but you've also been receiving messages since before you were born. And especially since you got here, that that's what you do. You work hard. Uh You, you stop playing, you make money, you do what you need to do. You don't cry Uh about it. Ain't nobody coming to save you. 
we no don't one rewards you people. for going to work. It's what you have to do. No one rewards you for um, making sure your bills are paid. It's just what you do. And mm-hmm. if you ain't feeling mm-hmm. good, I mean, that's fine. Shake it off. You go and figure it out. And we, mm-hmm. it's almost normalized to minimize how we're feeling. Yeah. That's why it's interesting when we started and we're like, ah, we okay. We just in the middle and that's fine. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of times, even if you talk to your friends, you're like, oh, I'm okay. Why are you okay? You need to be great. Why? What's going on? What's wrong? You, you know, pump yourself up, shake it off, be toxically positive. And it's like, bro, calm all of that down. Not every day is on 10. But yeah. because we feel the need or the pressure socially to be like, everything's great. Mm-hmm. That almost takes more effort to fake it. And I think that's why the crashes are so hard, right? Because we're not yeah. identifying that this is a a thing. Like, it's okay that today I'm not feeling, I'm at a five. I'm not at a seven or a 10, right? Mm-hmm. But because I'm at, I'm already at a five and you're at a 10 and I feel like I have to match you. If I'm trying to play this 10 for so long, by the time I get back to my quiet time, I'm on, now I'm at a two. I'm not even at the five no more. Yeah. Yeah, because mental health is already stigmatized, just societally, Mm -hmm. it's already stigmatized. But then when we look at it through the lens of blackness, now it's weakness. You know, we're Mm -hmm. talking, I'm not okay. I need a mental health day. I need to reset. I need somebody to pour into me. Mm -hmm. Historically speaking, we have not been socialized to understand these concepts or to buy into them. So like you said, it's a lot easier to mask it. I'm good. That's okay. I'm just, I'm gonna get it done. I'm gonna figure it out Mm -hmm. because to say, hey, I need help. I need support. I'm not at 10 today. I'm not giving 100% of myself. So I need y'all to help fill in the gap. We often don't even know how to use that language. So it takes Mm -hmm. more effort out of us to admit and be vulnerable to what we're experiencing and then to hope somebody's going to show up for us. So instead, Mm -hmm. I'm going to push through because I know how to perform. I know how to get shit done because culturally speaking, that's what we know how to do. Mm -hmm. Leaning and sitting with our feelings and then letting people know that we need assistance, we don't know how to do that, more no. or less, typically speaking. And so then it's almost seen we- as a privilege. It's almost seen as a privilege to be like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, I feel sad today. I'm going to take the day off. And it's it, it's it's um, almost in our community, I feel like seen as just that, like a privilege. Like I don't have the privilege of not going to work or having a bad day. I don't have that privilege. I have so many people writing on me. I have so much things to do, so many responsibilities that I just got to focus, be positive and push through because that's just what we do. We overcome. Mm-hmm. We we push mm-hmm. through. We make a dollar out of 15 cents. You know, like it's this whole notion that it it we are less than if we are not showing up at the greatest capacity every time. Absolutely. And yeah, black excellence is a thing and we we emulate that every single day. But part of being excellent is knowing, not today. Not, mm-hmm. Me being excellent is not tied to what I do and what I produce. If I am going to genuinely be excellent, that begins with me taking care of me and being in tune with what I need. Yes. And that is where we shift the perspective because ignoring that is why so many people in our community are walking around and living with high functioning depression and don't even recognize it, don't even realize it. And then as we know, mental health issues that go untreated manifest into physical health issues. So now you worry why you have 
chronic headaches and gastrointestinal issues and high uh-huh. blood pressure uh-huh. and all of these other things that and increased weight, right? Because what if you're overeating now, now we're picking up other illnesses that because our, our, our weight has increased or if you're not eating, Oh, are you anemic? Are you about to fall out? What are your vitamins looking like? Because mm-hmm. you're not taking an, in enough, but you're running at full capacity, but you're not putting enough into your body to push that out. You're lacking yeah. some way, somewhere. Absolutely. So by not tending to your mental health and not even knowing that you need to, you recognize now your relationships are severed because you snapping uh-huh. off on people or you pushing people away or you're not able to prioritize the time for people because you haven't even stopped to prioritize it for yourself. So now you realize I really don't have anyone in close proximity to me, but you haven't cultivated a space where that's a reality for you Mm -hmm. or for them. So you blaming them, they blame you. So now your social life is impaired. Your physical health is impaired. Your mental health has been impaired and Mm -hmm. you just haven't given the space to water it. And you wonder why now you're like, man, nothing's going right. Like you said, I'm, I've been saying I'm just okay for a number of days. And now saying I'm okay is pushing it because I'm less than okay. Uh-huh. But again, this one-sided dimensional idea of what depression is, you're not even considering that that could be what's taking place. So you're not even doing anything to get assistance. So it's really important as you listen to this and you're like, man, this Loki sound like me. Or this look, you mm-hmm. sound like my mama. Or so like, mm-hmm. so once you have that, I think that aha moment and that light bulb, then it's like, okay, I hear you. I exhibit a lot of this symptomology. And I've also heard you that you're not my therapist. So what mm-hmm. do I do with this information? Where do I take this? How do I get started to realize that this is a problem? And now I want to be solution focused. So for me, and I, I'm pretty sure for you too, like number one, we always going to say, okay, look up that therapist. Cause this, this is, these are the moments where therapy shines because it's going to aid you in understanding, identifying and labeling what is actually going on. All of this, I don't know how I'm feeling, or, you know, I just don't feel this certain kind of way or all of this confusion that's laced in our language Therapy is going to help you tease through all that, identify things and understand why we feel the way we feel. And sometimes where it's coming from, where it's stemming from and all of that. Mm -hmm. So therapy, 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 do the therapy. Right. But on top of being able to work through the issues, I think people misunderstand sometimes that therapy is just, oh, we just coming in there talking about our problems or we just coming in there and inventing. No, there's a science to it. There's assessments, there's other diagnostic tools to see if this is a diagnosable level of depression, diagnosable diagnosable level of anxiety, right? And seeing where exactly you fall in this, right? And once you figure that out, we'll figure out what you need to do to treat it. Like we said before, we're, I think we answered a listener letter about um, psychiatrists versus psychologists, right? Or, um, therapy versus psychiatry and it's like if you are have more depression to get you to a balanced state you might have to talk about medication you might have to talk about um doing more than just your traditional talk therapy but that all of that starts with an assessment right so that's number one two physical wellness right taking care of our bodies because like we said because the depression takes on so many different kind of forms, if we're not eating well, if we're not getting up out of bed, we're not getting activity, 
all of that plays a factor. So not only do we take care of our mind and go and seek therapy and figure out what is it I'm really struggling with, we also have to take care of our physical awareness. Go to our doctor's appointments, rule out those things, right? Um, Make sure we're doing our blood work, see if all of our vitamin levels are up because there's also things that are caused by medical issues that can have symptoms that look like depression. Yep. You might have Rule some vitamin D deficiency. You might mm-hmm. you you might be super anemic and and not taking your iron and you just lethargic. You don't know. So rule number one, we're going to that doctor's appointment. We're making sure our food is together. We're eating. We're getting out the house. We're trying to be active and we take care of our physical wellness. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we also have to take care of our self-care. That's where the self-care comes in. So we've went to the doctors. We've ruled out all of the um, medical illnesses or we've identified certain things and we're starting to take the medication or do the regimens to take care of that, right? We seek therapy and we go and we see what is diagnosable here. We we start the talk therapy. We start, you know, pe- peeling back those layers, as they say. And then we figure out what are the things that make me happy? What are the things that make me feel complete and feel better? and joyful, whatever, whatever words you want to add in there, the things that make me feel whole. And we do yeah. a little bit more of that, whether it's something as simple as getting our nails done, getting our hair done, whether it's reading or taking a self-care day, going to the beach and just being by the water. Everybody's self-care regimen looks very different, but we have to figure out what it is and what we like. And a lot of times I feel like people get self-care wrong by just doing what other people say their self-care regimen is and it's not mm-hmm. unique to you like yep. if you know me you know me my self-care regimen does not include hiking that's not gonna happen <laughs> that ain't me but some people love it. Mm-hmm. but some people love it my self-care might be me going parking at the beach and playing music and watching the water because i love me some water right Mine's is not going to look like yours, but we got to figure out what it looks like. We got to try some things and we need to have more than one trick, right? Because sometimes when we get the nails done, we get the hair done, we have our beach day and we still feel like, ugh, what's going on? We need to go deeper into the toolbox and find out other things to do that'll help us take care of us. And it's like, although we're naming all of these different things, I think the therapy the physical wellness and the self-care routines, that's all that we have to do individually to take care of just our body in general, right? Um, And that's just one level of it because we also have to look at like socially, how are we taking care of ourselves? And that goes back to the knowing when we are emotionally available for certain things. That goes back to our boundaries, allowing people to come around when we can in the capacity that we can take at that moment and understanding when it's just not a good day. And we can't, we made these plans. And at that time, that was great. But today is not a good day. And being okay with letting people know when it's not a good day, being okay for asking for help and being okay with letting people show up for us. That's on the social level, right? Mm -hmm. And on the global level, it's just, being intentional about everything that we do to see definitely checking in. Like, is this genuine to me? Is this okay? Am I forcing myself to do this? And of course I know there's some certain things in life that we have to do because of obligation. Right. 
Like, I love what I do. But child, do I feel like I need to go to work Monday through Friday every week? Like, I don't know if that's, I feel like it's a bit excessive. But (laughs) it's definitely how the work week is set up, you know? But so I say that jokingly, but there there are certain things that we understand we have to do, right? Mm -hmm. But within that, there is choice and we do have choice. So we have to set up our world in a way that is genuine to us that facilitates our well-being and prioritizes our mental health and our physical health. Absolutely. And you brought up a great point when you talked about how, you know, we're talking about this limited view or limited scope of depression that we have, which is why so many of us are walking around with depressive symptoms and possibly depression diagnoses without knowing it. The same way goes with the self-care. Like you said, we hear self-care and we hear these specific things. Do this and this is self-care and that. You have to identify what is going on with you and the depression that you may or may not be experiencing and subsequently what you can do to care for yourself through that process and beyond. You're not only doing self-care because you feel down or depressed. Um, You're doing self-care because you are prioritizing self as much as you can uh, within a realistic capacity. And I think that was another thing that you brought up. You need to have a wide array of self-care techniques because every situation is not going to call for every type of self-care because Mm -hmm. getting to the beach is not going to always be feasible for you, depending on the season, what time of day it is, how much time you have to spend. Um, Mm -hmm. Going to get your nails done is, girl, if that's the middle of the night, unless you got somebody that does house calls and you got it like that, then what are you going to do? So you need to have a wide array of that fit in your time limitations, your financial limitations. So what are the things that you can do that are low cost or no cost? What mm-hmm. are the things that you can do that take 10 minutes? What are the things that you could spend an entire day doing? Um, what are the things you can do by yourself? What are the things you can do with a friend or two? And what are the things you can do with an extended group of friends or family? So that also is something that you reflect inwardly to find out but you also navigate that in the therapeutic process. So therapy is not just about venting and dumping. There is the assessment part, the diagnostic part, the talk therapy part, but there's also the goal setting and accountability piece that goes into Mm -hmm. it. So there's so much to unpack here and uncover here. And that's why we're going to continue to encourage you all to go seek professional assistance, not only your medical doctor, but therapist to navigate this. And some of the biggest takeaways that we want you to get is First and foremost, if you identify with the symptoms or the scenarios that we've outlined in this episode, is that you first recognize that it's not normal. You should not be feeling burnt out and overextended and exhausted more days than not and just just okay for most days. You should be feeling full and fulfilled. And if you're not feeling happy and contented more times than not, then there's some reflection that needs to be taking place. We also are challenging you all to deconstruct this one dimensional view of depression. Like we said, depression looks so many different ways. And we not only need to identify that within ourselves, but we need to do a better job of identifying that on a community level. Anytime we lose someone to suicide, and again, this is not an episode about that, but I want to point out that because that is a symptom sometimes of Mm -hmm. depression, Anytime we lose somebody to suicide, especially when they are a celebrity or a notable figure, the first thing we talk about is check on your people, check on your people. And that is such a surface level statement because what are we checking on? Hey, how are you? And then the person says good and the conversation's over because that person doesn't have the space to tell you they're doing anything other than good. And you've asked a question that hasn't gotten anywhere. So if you recognize, hey, depression doesn't just look like X, Y, and Z. 
it may give you the insight to ask somebody who doesn't look in these ways, how they're doing, what they need, how you can show up for them and support them. But it'll also allow people who are feeling off to know they have the space to navigate and discuss it. Because just because you're successful and you have the things in life that one should aspire to have, you can still struggle with depressive symptoms. So until we change this notion of you have to be alone and with nothing and isolated and sad, um, you, you can't talk about how you're feeling. So there's there's work on both ends. We have to just deconstruct the ways we view and we talk about depression and feeling emptiness or feeling off. And then I also think another layer of that is noticing when we see the people that we love and we are there with all the time when they're off, right? Yeah. Because sometimes they don't have the language, right? But it's cool to be like, hey, I'm noticing you, you listen, you getting a little bit more irritated more than usual. Or I've noticed mm-hmm. that you just been real ramped up and, you know, uh, angry more than usual. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. everything's getting on my nerves. Okay. Now, especially if you are, let's say, a friend, a, a sibling, a family member, whoever, if you know this person is acting a little different than usual, that's where those check-ins come in. Like, hey, I've noticed that you've been a little upset lately. Is everything okay? Like, what's going on? And it's more than just, oh, who made you mad? Who pissed you off? Right? It's more mm-hmm. than that because now you're noticing a trend. Right. Because sometimes we're not able to notice it ourselves. And in most minority um, cultures, anger, anger is acceptable. Anger is an okay emotion. Anger is the emotion. Everything else is it's like, okay, we don't really identify those emotions. But anger is also kind of like a, a gateway emotion. What what is really going on here? You're you're outwardly showing that you're upset but what are you really upset about? And when we start asking those questions and start kind of like peeling back those layers, it's like, oh, you're not upset, you're hurt. Or you're not upset, you're embarrassed. You're not upset, you're sad, right? You're overstimulated. You're overstimulated, you're overwhelmed. Yep. And we won't know that unless we start having conversations and being okay with asking more than just, you good, okay. Yeah, it has to go a deeper. Absolutely. So recognizing that what you're feeling or experiencing or living day to day is not normal. Deconstruct that one dimensional view you have of depression. Do the work. Now that you've done those things, Mm -hmm. you've been in that place of reflection and contemplation. Now take the active steps to do the work and refer back to this episode because we've walked you through. Okay, well, what next? And then last but not least, because depression more times than not is such, it feels like such an isolating experience, understand that you're not alone. So many people are navigating depression and it looks and manifests in so many different ways. So make yourself and allow yourself to be vulnerable to talk about it with your loved ones, with professionals. There are groups. We've talked a lot about individual therapy and assessments and psychotropic medication. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about groups. Maybe we'll do that in the future, but there are actual therapeutic groups that exist where you can find support for people who are experiencing and living with similar symptoms to you. So there's so many resources out there for you. And if you have questions, you can always send us a listener letter. If you don't know where to start, you can always use the mental health resource guide because that's why we created it. Because mental health, since it's something that we traditionally don't talk about in our community and we're one part of- I don't fully understand. Yeah, don't talk about it or don't understand it. And 
Dr. Pam and I are trying to do our part to put to make changes to that. We've created things like that for you all. So take the first step. And if you're unsure where to start, your homegirls got you. So that's what we that's what we're here for. Period. All right, you guys, we're about to transition into our listener letter. All right, for today's listener letter, it says, hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, my name is Sasha, and I just listened to Heavy is the Head That Wears a Crown. And when I tell you I felt seen, ooh, you picked up some stuff, Miss Sasha. Um, So thank you both. I'm a middle child and was telling my older sister about the episode and how exhausting it is to be the go-to person for the family, and she got quiet. And then went on to tell me that she wishes she was the go-to person as the older sister and how she wants to be someone the kids in the family can look up to. And my first thought was, go do something for somebody to look up to. But I know that's mean, and she do be trying. How can I help my big sis out? What you got to tell, Sasha? Hmm. Um, so Sasha, um, essentially you are trying to figure out how you can help your sister who is looking to take up more of a presence and a supportive presence within the family. Right. Um, so how I would help my big sis out if I had a big sister, I would reflect that question back onto her. Um, because that's a part of that person's process. And we talked about this in the heavy as the crown episode where Often that person who's wearing the crown has to be the organizer, the problem solver, Mm -hmm. the planner, the implementer. And it's like that. So you can't take on all of those roles because you're just further perpetuating this notion that you have stood up and assumed all these responsibilities or been given them. So I would turn it back on to my big sister and be like, so what are the ways in which you feel like if you've identified you want to be somebody in a family that the kids can look up to? How do you think you go about doing that? So require her to brainstorm so that not only the ball is back in her court, but also that she's coming up with things that she wants to do. No one's projecting. No one is assigning because again, her role, she might want to be the one that plans the family trips, but y'all didn't ask her to do X, Y, and Z. That's not in alignment with her. So then that becomes this conflict within your family dynamic, or she's feeling like, well, I said I wanted to show up and they asked me to show up in all of these ways that I don't have capacity for, or I have no desire for. So that's where I would start. First of all, what you want to do? Who do you aspire to be? What legacy do you want to leave behind? How do you want the nieces, nephews, cousins in the family to connect with you? So start there and then start putting a plan in motion. So In whatever way you, Sasha, have the capacity to help her navigate that. Okay, well, you said you want to do blank. Well, I'll help plan it or I'll help coordinate it or I'll host it. You said you want to do Friday game nights. Well, we can use my spot to do it. So you collaborate with her after she's identified the ways in which she wants to show up for the family. And then I would also encourage you that when challenges or problems arise within your family dynamic, defer some of that responsibility to her or bring her into the situation. So if you're the go-to person, then say, okay, hold on. And then reach out to her. Hey, here's what's happening within the family dynamic. They're asking me this, 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 and that. Can you help me with this? Or can we navigate this problem? Or, hey, can I pass this one on to you? Because historically speaking, it's been me, but can you pick up this one? Or, you know, it would help. It would, it would lessen the burden if you and I could coordinate figuring this out for insert family members. So that's what I would do. Ask her to brainstorm, support her in the ways in which she's trying to make an impact in the family. And then when things organically arise, use her as a support system so that you're not doing it all alone and feeling like you are the one with the crown on your head and it's getting too heavy. Perfect. 
I agree. Ditto. <laughs> uh, what perfect. therapist recommendation you got for everybody this week, Dr. Pam? So I want us to do holistic checks. This is something I do with my clients, right? Because a lot of times, like we were saying earlier in the episode, you just go and you check in and you're like, how you doing? You feeling okay? And that's usually what we do with ourselves too. Like, oh, I'm good. I feel fine. But a holistic check takes it up to another level, right? It's trying to understand that we're taking care of ourselves holistically in all the different aspects of ourselves. So I like to ask people to, check in with self and see how have I poured into myself in this way lately. So the different aspects I talk about is physically. How have I poured into myself physically? Like, have I gotten up, taken that hike, took a walk, or did some type of physical activity to make sure my physical self is good? How have I poured into myself mentally and emotionally? Like, did I tell myself care day? Did I go and seek out therapy? Did I go check in and do my spa day, whatever that may be, whatever that looks like for you, right? So mentally, emotionally. How did you pour into yourself socially? Like, did you go and make that plan? Did you go and follow up with the loved ones and finally get that lunch that you had scheduled? Did you finally go to the lunch, you know? What did you do socially for yourself? And then the next one is creatively, right? Because everybody has a form or fashion of how they like to be creative, whether it be with spreadsheets, with art, with music, whatever it is. How have you poured into your creative self? And the last one is spiritually. How have you poured into your spirituality? Whether it's if you're a Christian, going to church, reading the book, reading reading the word, um, getting closer with your your maker, or if you believe in other things like have you done that whatever it is spiritually you are inclined to do have you done that right so it it forces ourselves to be in the here and now and it forces us to look at different aspects and different dimensions of ourselves to see if we're actively and intentionally working on them so just to run it back physically mentally emotionally socially creatively and spiritually So have you poured into yourself in these ways lately? And once we answer those questions, if you have it, this is your call to do so. And if you have, continue to do so because you're doing a good job. Good. I like that. I like that. So the holistic check-in with yourself on all of those domains that Dr. Pam mentioned, that is the therapist recommendation and your homework for the week. And on that note, that's our episode. Thank you for tuning in and taking time to connect with us. But now it is time to do the work. You got this. So make sure you follow us on Instagram and check our free mental health resource guide linked in the notes. Please leave us a review as it helps others find our podcast and let us know your thoughts. Connect with us, check in with us, tap in with us. We're still doing our weekly call for listener letters. um, So send those in on Instagram or via email. Write us for the chance to get some insight from us, your homegirls who happen to be therapists. See you next week. Bye, y'all.